Brought to you by Make Fun Network. Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. And welcome to Anachronismo. Anachronismo. We're the historical comedy podcast that brings strange stories to you and then makes jokes about them. Uh, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. And joining us this week is our guest, Michael E. Hello. Michael, how about you tell us a little about yourself? Okay, so I am sort of currently a law student. I'm taking a year break. I'm Mm. at BU. I'm about to go live in Russia for a year, so I'm getting very excited about that. Getting a visa is very difficult, but I've been persevering. And I'm originally from the Bay Area of California, which is having much better weather than here right now. It's pretty bleak. I mean, it really depends on your point of view. I personally love this rain. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Weirdo. I know. Yeah, I know. That's weird. <laughs> makes, not... me, makes me feel like a happy little frog. I don't We're think only... I, I'm not deep for liking rain. I just like rain because it makes me happy. Oh, I yeah. had to keep the dehumidifier on just until you all got here. Oh, yeah. Maybe if you were more of a happy little frog, <laughs> maybe you'd like it better. <laughs> now, you are on Twitter and Twitch, right? That is correct. Uh, my handle on both social media question mark services is your gender here. All lowercase, no spaces or underscores. And the possessive your, right? Y-O-U-R. Correct. Shoot, I didn't think about that when I made the handle, but I was going for the joke, so that's arguably more important. Yeah, I do speed runs on Twitch. Very, very long ones. So if you like that, you also feel like talking about socialism while I'm doing the run, uh, I'm the streamer for you. Cool. (laughs) And uh, you can tell us more about that during our break for people who want to tune in. Um, Yes, sure. Give us like a little elevator thing for the story you're bringing in tonight. So let's say you're the ruler in charge of a centuries-old Connet. Uh, Connet? My pronunciations of these things are going to be very bad, unfortunately, because I do not have any experiences with Turkic languages, but hopefully I'll come through. We put a disclaimer at the top of every episode, so just do your best. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you're the ruler in charge of a centuries-old Connet located smack dab in the middle of the Byzantine Empire, your on-again, off-again allies, mm-hmm. a number of Arabian kingdoms who are waiting for the first chance to win a military campaign against you, and those accursed Rus who have been trying to, and sometimes succeeding at, pillaging your trade routes along the prized Volga River, a fixture of the global economy. Well, that is the situation that Bulan, the Kagan of the Khazars, found himself in somewhere around 740 CE. And at the time, there was a large sort of worldwide campaign by various sort of political and religious powers to try and proselytize and convert the ruling class of the various factions to their own religion to basically get sort of a default system of allyship and like peace, non-aggression. And that is the situation that Bulan uh, found himself in. Byzantines to the left, Arabs to the right, and here I am stuck in the middle with Rus. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to be giving a description and some basic historical background about the Silver Tree of Karakoram, treasure of the Mongol Empire in the 13th century that has unfortunately been lost to time, but uh, has a pretty interesting description and has a pretty interesting background. So I'll be getting into that. So very excited about that. Can't imagine there are very many historical trees. It's uh, well, it's fun, fun fact about this. Not a real tree. Mm. Mm. It's a fake tree. Okay, that's fine. Oh. It's a man-made tree. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was going to be something else. Like oh, no, no, no. a chair, no. and they're just calling it a tree. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like just a pillar of skulls they're calling a tree. No. <laughs> so it's, it's not a euphemism. N- it's not a euphemism. It is an apt description. What would a tree be a euphemism for? Could yeah, be, uh, you know, marijuana. Could be a uh, tree of life. Could be all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It's a a lot of things to a lot of people, but not this tree. This tree was one specific thing, and you're going to learn... Silver. uh, Amongst other things. (laughs) Uh, So we've got that to look forward to while we're enjoying this. Yes. So, Michael, why don't you take us away? 
The situation of the Khazars is really interesting as a society. Uh, They existed for hundreds of years, but multiple hundreds of years, which is to say quite a few centuries, starting from my understanding is the 5th century onward. And sort of the name of their game was keeping back invading nearby civilizations, including nomadic civilizations, and keeping a state of peace within their own civilization so that they could extract uh, extract tolls from traders. I mentioned the Volga River earlier. That was a very popular river because it has its mouth in the Caspian Sea, Caspian Sea being an incredibly important waterway slash big lake Mm -hmm. for the global economy, especially at the time. And they did a reasonably good job of keeping out bandits and negotiating sort of trade agreements Uh, and making basically a shit ton of money on taxes. And using those funds, they were able to defend themselves to an appreciable degree. There is a period of time known as the Pax Khazaria, where there was just not really a whole lot of conflict in the area, which was surprising given that there's very much conflict in the area, especially in the periods of time that I'm going to talk about (laughs) very soon. (laughs) And in terms of, like, the major players, I would say, yeah, there's the Hazars, there's the Byzantine Empire, still going strong, uh, still in Constantinople mode, uh, has has not changed their name yet. Have... And they never will. It's so weird. They really love that name. They love even... Constantinople. Emperor Always going to be Constantinople. Forever. Emperor Constantine's body will never decay. Constantly Constantinople. <laughs> um. Yeah, the Byzantines, there were a series of caliphates that succeeded each other. The one that I'm probably going to talk about the most is the... Shoot. That's the thing. There are a lot of caliphates, and there were periods of like transition between them. And a lot of the historical sources that I've read just referred to like the Arab states. Because it's like, you could name the caliphate, but it was understood that like the overall civilization was pretty much consistent across all of the different caliphates. I don't know if that's precisely true, but at least just reading hey, the sources that I had. I mean, narrow it down to like a century. Well, we'll play with that. Do some jazz. Uh, the Assassid Caliphate? I will. I have it in my notes somewhere. I'll probably get to it. Okay. And um, when was the Assassid Caliphate? Uh, I found it. Sorry. There the, it is. Uh, the Abbasid Caliphate, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, the caliphate at the time of Bulan's important decision. They were to the southeast-ish. And then the Rus are sort of coming at Khazaria from the Kif area of things to the north, mostly. And political affiliations and alliances shifted a lot. There were times when the Khazars were in reason- unreasonably good terms with the Byzantines, and the Byzantines really appreciated this because Khazaria was basically a buffer state. If anybody wanted to come for Constantine, uh, they had to go through Khazars. Mm-hmm who were very good at defending themselves. Oh, they all play their tolls. Like, yes. Just go right on through. Yeah, just right through the gate. Yeah. I don't see why there would be any conflict if you just have toll money. Sometimes they'd even give the Byzantines discounts. Oh. You know? <laughs> uh, something on the side? Also, it's worth noting that the Khazars also had their own internal economic system. They were nomads. They had some yaks. They were, they were doing stuff, too. So how many yaks does it cost to cross the Hussar Empire? Hussar um, State? Only one, because you're probably not going to get jumped. That's fair. Not, okay, so you pay one yak, you cross. Oh, wait, you were talking about the price. I thought yeah. you were talking about riding it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Did you know that you can ride yaks? I did know no. that. Yes. Can you, I imagine you could like lay out, because they were very broad-backed. They're a luxury ride, and a smelly one. <laughs> um, fun fact, uh, I was doing yak a... Huh? Yak, yak fact. fact. Yak fact. This is a yak fact. <laughs> I was planning on uh, creating a character for a second edition of D&D campaign done by one of my partner's colleagues, a PhD. I think he has his PhD at this point in Slavic languages and literatures. And it was set during more or less this exact time period of Hazaria. <laughs> so my original concept from the character was a yak archer. So a mounted archer, but not on a horse. Mm-hmm. On a, a yak. yak. You can carry a lot Sturdier. more arrows that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually I changed the character concept to be the Khazar queen who was driven into exile when, spoiler warning, the capital Atil fell. Uh, wow. I was really looking forward to living through that history myself. Yeah, it's kind of a tragedy that uh, the that Hazaria isn't around today, at least in my opinion, because they had some really neat and different stuff going on. But uh, 
I digress. Uh, playing that character was super fun, and that campaign was super fun. Uh, I actually did a lot of history, uh, historical research on Hazaria so that I could make the character for this campaign. And that's how I originally found out about, I suppose I haven't even said what it was yet, the Great Abrahamic Religion Debate, which Bulan organized and participated in as the judge. So uh, I've sort of set up the scene of the various large powers sending uh, religious proselytizers, wise men of their respective faiths, to try and curry political favor. Byzantium was 100% sending Christian wise men to preach Christianity. Uh, The Caliphate was sending uh, imams to try and get conversion to Islam. And it's very tough to have both of those things happening to you at the same time. What was Hazar's baseline? Hazaria, that's a really good question. No, that's great. Hazaria was a multi-religious, multi-ethnic, multilingual society where there was a surprising amount of inter-everything tolerance. People mostly got along. I would say the biggest divide in that society was between the ruling class and everybody else, and that was because the ruling class sequestered themselves on purpose, uh, including on an area of the Volga River that I think they essentially just kept to themselves. (laughs) Uh, and that was where the Kagan spent his winters because it was uh, it was cold. Really into skating, then these people yeah. uh, skating, river fishing, throwing throwing sticks and never watching them bob by. I'm imagining this is all just you know bejeweled skates, bejeweled fishing rods, bejeweled sticks to throw in the river and watch them bob down. Yeah, but you unfortunately, know. if you're the Kagan, you have to be careful about uh, interacting with the water because if you're unpopular politically, you know. Some of the peasants live upstream. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be careful. Gotta Mm -hmm. be careful. Don't want to drink poop. You're doing it anyway. I mean, well, yeah, let's be honest. At this point in history, everyone's drinking poop. But fluoride hasn't been, like, systematically employed yet, so it's much worse. Also, the frogs aren't getting turned gay because there's no fluoride in the water, so we have a tragic lack of homosexual frogs also contributing to the world economy. Mm. There are way too many frogs because Mm. not enough of them are switching into non-procreative sex. I made all of that up. No, I don't believe that. I think that's 100% true, but you're trying to hide it. Look, Um, (laughs) if we can all mourn the lack of gay frogs in what century, Hasaria? So, Hasaria sort of spanned from 500 CE to 965 CE. Okay, so 6th through 10th century Hasaria, no gay frogs. And that's probably where most of their problems came from, let's be honest. Not enough gay frogs. Not enough? Okay, there's probably a few gay frogs. Yeah, well, there's at least one couple, I hope. Otherwise, they get oh, lonely. That would be sad. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Okay. <laughs> I am so lonely. <laughs> Where are the other gay frogs? <laughs> Send me a kiss by wire, but only from a same-sex frog. <laughs> You're allowed to like who you like. I'm not going to tell a frog who to love. Hashtag Pride Month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pride includes frogs? Yeah. Let's see. Prosthetizers from both of the major faiths representing the dominant political states to the southeast and southwest. Bulan's kind of in a bind because going for one of those two religions is going to mean bad news for the one that got passed up Mm. and the political representatives. Um, Does he have to choose? No, he doesn't, but also not choosing would piss off both of them, right? Mm. So he pisses off one, pisses off the other, pisses off both. What he needs is a way to mix the religions into one, so he just pisses them both off just a little bit. Max, that is extremely close to what happened. Yes! And instead of mixing those two religions up, Like some kind of delightful beverage. But he without pooping it. Framed himself as the next Messiah. Yes. Started his own religion. Islam too. <laughs> That's right. We're doing, Boogaloo. Yeah. we're doing Judaism a fourth time. <laughs> Which What's the third? Uh Judaism's the first, then Christianity, oh, okay. then Islam. Oh. Those right. are the th- those are the three Judaisms, the three Abrahamic faiths. Yes. Yeah. And, and I forgot to count Judaism as number one. Judaism one, <laughs> the first one. You could think about it kind of like Pokemon evolutions, mm-hmm. kind of. Ah! That's politically fraught. Ignore that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you stick with Judaism, then you learn moves earlier. You can't learn Star of David once you've evolved into Christianity. But unfortunately, your base stats are lower. So once you're out of conflict with Egypt, the meta progresses like past you, and it's extremely hard to have a stable political state mm-hmm. uh, until someone decides to adopt your religion for some reason. See where I'm going with this? The debate was set up between Christianity, 
Islam, and surprise special guest, Judaism. <laughs> I'm serious. There no, wasn't. Just, there was no the, Jewish state. I'm at this picturing time. surprise special guest. Like I'm picturing the uh, the Christian debaters coming in on one side, and then the Islamic debaters coming in on the other side, and then the king just like grabbing a microphone from oven and we've got a special guest today none of you are expecting the og judaism and they don't have air horns back then so everyone just lifts up a bunch of trumpets and goes is that rabbi zebediah's music i'm hearing <laughs> do you smell what the rabbinical chef is cooking it's kosher it's kosher yeah that's, that's exactly the punchline <laughs> And just for a little bit more historical background, there were there were plenty of Jews practicing the faith uh, in all the areas of the world. There were plenty of Jews in Byzantium. There were plenty of Jews in the Caliphate. They obviously weren't the dominant religion anywhere that they were, but they were around. So it wasn't actually a completely contrived thing for Boulan to seek out uh, a rabbi to go uh, make his case. And uh, there was a debate that was organized. And this debate is... Very historically contested. There aren't very many contemporaneous accounts of this debate at the time that it was made. But the best source for it that I was able to find was the letter of Joseph the king, son of Aaron the king, the Turk. May his creator preserve him to the head of the assembly, Hasdai, the son of Eric, son of Ezra, in response to a man named Hasad Hasdai, who was living in Muslim Spain at the time, and my notes uh, indicate that this letter was written a while later, somewhere in the area of 954 to 961 CE. So we're essentially getting this two centuries after the fact. Also, we're getting this letter from King Joseph, the current ruler of Hazaria. So you might want to take what he's saying with a grain of salt. I'll put on my skepticals. Yes. Boop. Uh, which is an important part of, uh, I would say, analyzing any sort of uh, text related to religion uh, in general. But yeah, this is the leader of a currently Ju uh, currently Jewish civilization bragging about how Jewish his civilization is to some Jewish guy who sent him a letter for We're some reason. We're so Jewish. We've been circumcised twice. Actually? <laughs> We're so Jewish. Wait, what? <laughs> Poulon got circumcised before the debate. Oh, wow. That, oh, so he already knew who was going to win. I feel like, yeah, he's tossing his hat over the fence. He was essentially committing to deciding mm -hmm. because there's no there's no pagan religion that, as far as I know, that specifically requires you to do that. I mean, that requires it, but there aren't any that... I don't, do any of them forbid it? Um, Just as, a, as an aside related to that, the most common pagan religion coexisting with the three Abrahamic, uh, Abrahamic faiths in Hazaria was uh, Tengriism, mm -hmm. a form of paganism in which horses... And occasionally people were sacrificed to the sky god. Okay. And anything that lightning struck was sent to the sky god. So at some point, the sky god accumulated some foreskins. That's fair. That's fair. At some point, someone's like, foreskin was struck by lightning. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, now it's time to dig a little bit deeper and find the real stuff lurking beneath the surface level uh, of this history. I, I do also do want to say... The Sky God thing, internally consistent, because Sky God, absolutely, lightning is them pointing at something and saying, I want it. I just want to get that out there. Okay, please continue. <laughs> yes, uh, I 100% agree. Praise be the Sky God Tengri. Uh, mm -hmm. May he grant me fortune and safe travels on the Silk Road. I was hoping to do a dramatic reading of this very dramatic letter, or at least parts of it. Yes, the the letter do. from Bulan to Hazdai. I, I have... King Bulan to Hazdai. I have Hazdai's full name. It's Hazdai Ibn... But it's not Bulan's letter, right? It's a guy oh, sorry, ruling no. 200 years this later? This is King Joseph's letter about Bulan to Hazdai Ibn Shaprut. Okay. That was extremely wrong. Uh, I, I pronounced it phonetically based on the uh, romanizations. And yeah, he's bragging about his kick-ass country. Yes. Okay. Uh, and also about himself, there's definitely a little bit of like self-promotion. Mm. Uh, King Joseph had many hype men, but for a letter, he obviously wants to make sure it's up to code, so he's going to do it himself. Mm -hmm. uh, while also, of course, dictating it to someone who actually bothers to write on a daily basis. Hazdai, I wish to inform you that your beautifully phrased letter was given in us by Isaac, son of Eliezer, a Jew of the land of Germany. You made us happy, and we are delighted with your understanding and wisdom. Let us, therefore, renew the diplomatic relations that once 
obtained between our fathers, and let us transmit this heritage to our children. You ask us also in your epistle, of what people, of what family, and of what tribe are you? Know that we are descended from Japheth through his son Togarma. This then goes into an extended discussions of the uh, ten sons of Togarma, which in Jewish <laughs> mythology created ten different civilizations, all in the Black Sea Caspian era, some of which were more successful than others. I'm going to skip to the good part. It was like the, the shittiest son of the... Of the, <laughs> the one whose civilization was like, oh, uh, yeah, we... Um, uh, everybody else took the good ideas. Somebody else did the wheel. Somebody else did... Uh, we all... Uh, yeah, in this civilization, it's pulleys. Pulleys is, is what we do here. That's our thing. <laughs> I am going to say, on this Wikisource article, five of these sons have hyperlinks, and five of them do not. Oh, so yeah. That, that might tell you something. Those are the I shitty ones. Yeah. The lesser sons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keeping them... a civilization together is hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, obviously, five sons didn't do it. But also, fifty percent hit rate. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not yeah. bad. That's that's if you're if you're an MLB player, uh, you know that's pretty good. I assume it's unheard of. Nobody has a point five at batting average. That's insane. Good to know. I am a descendant of Hazar, the seventh son. That's the that's the title drop. Mm. Is um, that that sounds like one of the shitty sons though? No, Hazar okay. was fine. Okay, Hazard cool, did, cool. I mean, Hazar established a civilization that has lasted like five centuries. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, oh, wait, so Hazar started out being a Jewish place and then it became no, like it a did multicultural? No, Okay. He, the ruler is a descendant of Hazar. Oh. Um, so Hazar's dis- like descendants ended up being in control of this civilization that has existed for a long time. So in the long game, Hazar managed to do it right. Got it. Basically by having good offspring, or like talented offspring. Uh, I am a descendant of Hazar the seventh son. I have a record that although our fathers were few in number, the Holy One, blessed be he, gave them strength, power, and might so that they were able to carry on war after war with many nations who were more powerful and numerous than they. By the help of God, they drove them out and took possession of their country. Upon some of them, they have imposed forced labor even to this very day. Hmm. Uh, Cool brag. (laughs) My very strong grandfather could beat up many other weaker grandfathers, take their land and people. I want to say the Rus were periodic aggressors against Hazaria. Hazaria also caught and enslaved uh, Rus people. So, you know, a little bit of give and take. Not a, not a great look, Hazaria. <laughs> not, not a good look, my dude. Well, the, the good news is that Hazarian slavery ended. Hooray! Which we'll get to later. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like something bad happened that led to no more slavery, which is odd. No more Hazarian slavery. Oh, I want to be extremely okay. clear there. More stuff about Hazarian political power in the past. Oh, do they just kill everyone instead of enslaving them? Sorry, I'm thinking of what like the worst way to get rid of slavery. I'll I'll straight to the sky god. Yeah. No. Sorry, I'll stop interrupting you. No, 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 it's fine. And I think the pattern was more like getting their territory and then they're defending it rather than constant conquest. Mm. Constant conquest was a strategy for other states, okay. including Kievan Rus. Um, but that that's, of course, the risky one. You might not succeed, uh, and then you kind of have to recoup for a while. Mm. So, you know, different meta. Uh, <laughs> it's all about that uh, socio-political historical meta, in my opinion. Mm. Yo, I main Zenyatta in that matter, I gotta say. <laughs> Is, I mean, that probably represents some sort of, like, Buddhist state, right? He's a robot. Zen robot. Yata. Yata. <laughs> Just doing my best. After, okay, we're getting to Bulan. Bulan is the main character. After this, several generations passed until a certain king arose whose name was Bulan. He was a wise and God-fearing man, trusting in his creator with all his heart. He expelled the wizards and idolaters from the land and took refuge in the shadow of his wings. Gotta get those wizards out. That was like, they're getting out the pagans, they're setting up the stage for the debate. It's like, in order to have legitimate contestants, you also have to get any sort of like valid opposition that could protest their lack of presence at the debate out of there. Plus, (laughs) let's be honest here, wizards can and would sabotage the debate with magic. It's true. This was supposed to be a religious but not magical debate. That's mm-hmm. my understanding. <laughs> Don't want someone to get a frog in their throat and literally cough up like a dozen frogs. I wonder if that was something that the rabbi mentioned. <laughs> As something that could happen. Because we do know some things about Judaism and frogs. 
After this, <laughs> no, continue, <laughs> continuing with the letter. After this, his fame was spread broadcast. The king of the Byzantines and the Arabs, separately, it wasn't a single king, <laughs> who had heard of him, sent their envoys. <laughs> and one guy. That would be he's impressive. Pretend, he's pretending to be two people. It's like he's brought two dates to a dance <laughs> and he's, he's running back and forth and changing outfits. And that's how the Hazarians made their monies from him going back and forth with the toll. <laughs> Just one guy. I'm going to chalk that up to a slightly unenigmatic translation. <laughs> Sent their envoys and ambassadors with great riches and many great presents to the king, as well as some of their wise men, with the object of converting him to their own religion. But the king, may his soul be bound up in the bundle of life with the Lord his God. Being wise, sent for a learned Israelite. The king searched, inquired, and investigated carefully, and brought the sages together that they might argue about their respective religions. I'm going to say, as someone with Jewish relatives, probably found one at a bagel shop. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I can say that. Okay, I can also say that. You can. Yes. Bagels are so good, dude. Bagels are so good. They're good. Hey, you can't say that. Can't say that you're good? <laughs> Anyone can eat a bagel. Wow. The B word is our word. What? Hey, hey, hey. Wow. Jeez, Jackie. <laughs> Some cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I can sneak <laughs> People ask me if I'm Jewish all the time. <laughs> Each of the wise men refuted, however, the arguments of his opponents so that they could not agree. When the king saw this, he said to them, Go home, but return to me on the third day. On the third day, he called all the sages together and said to them, Speak and argue with one another and make clear to me which is the best religion. They began to dispute with one another without arriving at any results until the king said to the Christian priest, What do you think? Of the religion of the Jews and the Muslims, which is to be preferred? The priest answered, the religion of the Israelites is better than that of the Muslims. The king then asked the, uh, it's not its not actually imam, it's a different sort of uh, a Muslim wise man. Uh, and I, for whatever reason, it's bungled in this transcription. So he asked the uh, Islamic faith representative, what do you say? Is the religion of the Israelites or that of the Christians preferable? Oh, it's Qadi. The Qadi answered, the religion of the Israelites is preferable. Upon this, the king said, if this is so, you both have admitted with your own mouths that the religion of the Israelites is better. Wherefore, trusting in the mercies of God and the power of the Almighty, I choose the religion of Israel, that is, the religion of Abraham. He does, that's him clarifying that. I... We know he just really wanted to be specific because he's talking to a Jewish person and he wants to, like, have his Jewish cred established. I know who the primary figure of the faith is, actually. (laughs) If that God in whom I trust and in the shadow of whose wings I find refuge will aid me, he can give me without labor the money, the gold, and the silver which you have promised me. As for you all, go now in peace to your land. Was that the only question in the debate? No, I mean... (sighs) That was the crucial question. Yeah. That was the turning point. It was a lot of squabbling up to that point. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. So much so that apparently King if King Joseph knew he didn't even care to share it. And like, yeah, have have you have you been in a religious debate? You kind of have initial starting points so you can't that are different, so it's very hard to actually get to common ground except I respect what you believe even though it's not what I believe, which wasn't an option in this debate. Also, I w- I just want to point out something. The way that Boulan arrived at his choice was by asking um, the Christian which of the other two religions he preferred and the Muslim which of the other two uh, religions he preferred. So this is probably the first world historical case of ranked choice voting, which I think is amazing. Um, (laughs) It's a better system than the one we have now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shout outs to the people working here in Massachusetts to try and get a ranked choice initiative on the ballot for 2020. I actually worked with them for a little bit. Vote yes. rank choice. Vote. I mean, yes. Vote yeah. If they do get on the ballot, vote yes on rank choice. First past the post sucks, and that's the T. Um, from that time on, the Almighty helped Bulan, fortified him, and strengthened him. Uh, Bulan sent for a lot of wise men of Israel who interpret the Torah of him. Since that day, the God of Israel has humbled all the enemies of Hazaria, etc., etc. Uh, the the Jewish God gives us strength and makes our society extremely awesome. Uh, and then is that is that a direct quotation? <laughs> I'm saying this because this then goes. This leads into like an almost as long section of the letter, which is about the specific 
uh, ethnography of King Joseph himself. He like goes through all of his different ancestors in order, Oof. which I don't think is as interesting as the debate, but that's just me. Or maybe it's not. <laughs> it's probably useful to historians. Yeah, it's good that he put those names down because yeah. that gives people names to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout outs to King Joseph for leaving a good paper trip. Now, we've had the debate and we have now learned the uh, identity of the winner. And we do know, based on this letter, that Judaism was adopted by Hazaria and persisted until at least 954 to 961 CE, a common era. So did that did that work out for Hazaria in the long run? This started out as kind of a political question. It implicates sort of political happenings. And eventually the answer is no, it did not. And arguably this all goes down to one particular Byzantine emperor, Romanos Lacapenos. Um, Sounds like a real Moranos. I'm not going to lie. When I was typing up these notes, I, I typed lock a penis. And then I was like, fuck, <laughs> no, I, I, if I say that on air without setting it up as a joke, I'm going to be a fool. <laughs> so mission accomplished. Romanos, Emperor Romanos started persecution of Jews or restarted um, during his reign, which was from 920 to 944 common era. Hmm. He really hated Jews, which I know shocking, right? A lot of that going around. And as a Jewish state, Hazaria obviously learned of this, and the it's sort of like an on-again, off-again relationship with the Byzantines, but this definitely prompted an off-again. <laughs> and so that kind of soured, and the Byzantines, as they've done many times before, started looking at the map and put those weird chess things on it and said, how can we get rid of Hazar? And they figured it out. The Rus. Remember them? Mm-hmm. Byzantium and Rus had shared goals, and this was actually around the same time uh, that the Rus began converting to Christianity, uh, which ended up becoming the Orthodox Church of the sort of Russian, the like the country of Russia and uh, other areas there uh, today. It's like an extension of Byzantine conversion. I think that's relatively common knowledge, but it's just this is kind of like where it happened, like where it spread east from uh, uh, Constantinople and surrounding areas. All of which is to say, the Byzantines found their hitman, Grand Prince of Kiev, Sviatoslav I, the Brave. Sviatoslav was very good at conquering the Caspian Sea era. Hazaria was probably his most impressive effort. He managed to crush Sarkel, Kerch, and Atil, the capital, in about a year's worth of time. Those were, the, those were the three biggest cities in Hazaria, just for reference. Oh, now I'm more impressed. Yeah, exactly. I thought there were some punk-ass villages. He was just doing two warm-ups, and he was like, boom, capital time. Mm. No. He did warm up, but it was on, like, rank number two and number three, and then the title fight. And after Atil fell, Hazaria never fully recovered. Instead of being in a militarily dominant position and being able to keep their neighbors in check, now they were the neighbor that everybody else was keeping in check and starting to carve up. So fragments of Hazaria sort of existed for a time. Atil was rebuilt and redestroyed a couple of times. And there's one last tragic, ironic uh, part of this story, which is during the Rus' invasion, whilst Fyatislav was going off prince as opposed to king, the Hazarian nobility, including the Kagan at the time, who was not King Joseph, tried to figure out a strategy to sort of like get out of the situation, the war that they were losing. The Khwarzm people nearby, uh, sort of in the direction of the caliphate, but uh, I believe not formally affiliated with it, were a Muslim people. And when Hazaria petitioned them for aid, the Khwarzm people responded, you are infidels, we will not help you. So just before they fell... Hazaria converted to Islam. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like that thing where you're playing a board game and you're in an obviously losing position position and you say, I quit, which is like, I quit being a Jewish state. Uh, But it's like a last ditch effort to try and get help from somebody else playing the game. And they just say, no, I'm not playing Kingmaker and helping you stay in the game. I'm eliminating you so I can 
do other geopolitical things. Mm. This metaphor is not very good. No, <laughs> but I understand it. Okay. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I can only hope that the listeners will understand as well. So by way of conclusion, uh, Hazarian history is incredibly fragmented. There are very few primary source documents, uh, and there are a lot of gaps in what uh, do exist, um, which has led to a lot of speculation and also a lot of interesting works of fiction. I've been reading the Dictionary of the Hazars, which is an interesting piece of postmodern literature uh, written during the time of the polemic, the great Abrahamic religion debate. Um, and that has three different chapters, one for Jewish definitions, one for Christian definitions, and one for Muslim definitions. And it's extremely strange, and everything's in a different order, and there's weird pagan shit also mixed up with it within it, which is accurate because it was a syncretic civilization. Uh, and it's just a really cool book, but I wish we knew more. And now I'm probably going to do Crusader Kings 2, but I'm going to change history slightly so that Hazaria survived. Now, if you're looking to get into the Crusader Kings franchise, which for what the, is it? <laughs> which is a it's a video game where you play through history. Basically, you choose a starting point in history, pretty much anywhere in history, and then you have a huge amount of like flexibility to be like a kingdom um, and do various things in it. And you play like the king of that kingdom, and you've got like your your um, your descendants and people who are lining up for the throne, and you can be like, oh, this descendant of mine is weak. I'm gonna kill him off because this next dude in line looks better. Or you can like send spies that are kingdoms. You can basically, you play around in history and you can change its course and it tries to like simulate semi-accurately what would happen with these various changes. And there's like a lot of granularity to it. That sounds cool. Like I've heard tell of somebody who like min-maxed his king to be super charismatic and super like immune to disease and then uh, got themselves deliberately like, we made themselves a carrier of like a, <laughs> a, like what was it? Like um I think it was like chlamydia and then like seduced all of the surrounding like uh, queens of the various like uh, uh, kingdoms mm-hmm. uh, until they all died of chlamydia. So none of his none of his enemies had like heirs. <laughs> so he, he basically just, you know, went out and uh, cuckolded his enemies into submission. Oh, man. <laughs> how did he even get there? Wait, would that work after the first one? I don't know how. Well, look, it's, it's, it's a video to, game. It's not a real it's not real life. You convince your first lover to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they die, there's no one who knows the secret anymore. Right. I have the second one for free because there was a brief period of time on Steam where it was free. And I was like, sure, I'll download this. And it's been sitting on my desktop for literally a year. And probably what I'm going to do is like have three runs. One where I try and like do do Judaism but not die to Sviata Slav. One where I do Christianity and go hard with the Byzantines. And one where I go hard into Islam and start working with the Caliphate a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And... I'm going to see which one has the most success, and then I will truly know for myself (laughs) which Abrahamic religion is the strongest. Uh, That's very good. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then come back to our second story. So uh, here comes the break. Hi, welcome to the break. It's me. It's Max. I'm still here with Jackie and Michael. We're here. We're, We're all here. So first of all, if you like our show, please, why not leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever you like. A written review really helps, at, or just, you know, any sort of star review, and it really helps us find new listeners, get the word out there. Or maybe you uh, aren't the, the per- type of person who likes to write reviews. How about uh, introduce us to a friend, or just, uh, you know, uh, listen to us in a public place and just yell at people, This is anachronismo! It's good! <laughs> Anything uh, like that. Listeners, I would love to meet your friends. Yeah. We'd all love to meet other people's friends. I would really love to meet your friends. Yeah, we'll be, we can be their ear friends. You're saying it in like kind of a sinister way. It's not sinister. My motives are benign. What What are they? To make friends. This is super creepy. I'm sorry I've made your break creepy. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. You were trying to work your way into your uh, your plug. Uh, no, I was I was just riffing. But oh. uh, sure, I'll do my plug again. Sure. Twitch.tv slash your gender here and twitter.com slash your gender here. So what's some stuff that you're currently streaming on your Twitch stream? I just recently finished a, an incredibly long Ocarina of Time randomizer run with most of the settings on that make the run progressively more ridiculous. Like 
You know the Golden Sculptulas? Have you ever played this game? I've played Ocarina of Time, yes. I don't know what the no, randomizers part is. You've never played okay. Ocarina of Time? No. Oh, shit. I've still got my old N64 with uh, the cartridge. We, I should lend it to you. <laughs> I mean, if you have free time, which you probably don't. Or you can watch the some... recording of my run. Or Maybe you can I'll do, do that. Because I also I enjoy watching video games. I feel like my uh, my time period of getting skill in video games has come to a close. Uh, being being alive is just dying a part at a time, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I miss the, miss the window. <laughs> Basically, there's these weird bugs. There's 100 of them. Mm-hmm. You can hunt out all of them, and it's like a little extra thing. It, all it does is give you infinite money, which you don't need if you found them all. Yeah. It's kind of like an Easter egg. With the settings that I had on, I was finding songs in the bugs. I would kill the bug, and instead of a token popping out, it would be Zelda's lullaby, which you need to do a ton of different things in the game. Uh, and... The randomizer sets it up so that you can beat the game. You just don't know where anything that you need to actually beat the game is. (laughs) So you have to figure out what you can do with the items that you do have, and then what you can do with the items that you get at random. Cool. And then I'm also working on a double-digit hour speedrun of my favorite game from my childhood, Dragon Warrior Monsters 2. There's a Kobe version and a Tara version. The Tara version is my favorite, but I'm running the Kobe version because it's faster. I have to get 310 monsters as quickly as possible. It is a very, very long ride, but I'm having a lot of fun trying to figure out how to make it as fast as possible. Cool. So that is my current project. That sounds really interesting and fun to watch on a stream. That's your gender here on Twitch, right? Correct. Cool. So yeah, check Michael's stream out. If you're also looking for other entertainment, we're also part of the Make Fun Network. And you can check out This Rules, This Sucks, a which is a review podcast without nuance, or Top 5 of Death, where uh, the hosts bring in five things, compare them, and die. It's fun. <laughs> I think that's just about all we're going to plug today. Oh, but I got a plug. Oh, what? oh Jackie's a plug. a plug. You never have a plug. Well, yeah. No, I have, no, what I do you plug in? Um, I have an improvised history show mm-hmm. coming up the first week of july oh um i'm forgetting the details of it sure but we are opening for a group called herstory oh very which cool is a fun little switcheroo because they opened for us a month ago so that's going to be uh july 5th i believe so all right so july 5th at i believe the improv uh, boston at improv boston mm-hmm. and july 5th at improv boston in cambridge massachusetts uh, i'm not certain of the july 5th okay but it so at Improv Boston in the first week of July. First week of July, Improv Boston. Mm-hmm. Go on their website. You can go to improvboston.com and uh, look for that week, which uh, by the time this episode comes out will be next week. Uh, and you can find yourself uh, their show. Is, is it under going to be? It'll probably be under Improv History or under Herstory. I believe it'll be under Herstory. Under Herstory, mm-hmm. uh, and you can get some tickets there. Yeah, uh, yeah. and they're both great groups. You should jo- definitely go and uh, check them out. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've now definitely I've... had some story overlap with Herstory because mm-hmm. their format is a, a monologue and then improv. And mm. they actually did the first uh, woman presidential candidate. Mrs. Satan. Mrs. Satan. Oh, cool. That's cool that, that the world of history is so nice and small mm-hmm. and uh, goes around. Yeah. We've also covered Mrs. Satan on this podcast. And she She's was, got my vote. She was, she was <laughs> fucking great. She was a, a real... Frederick Douglass woman. was her running mate. Yeah. Uh, but which she he, didn't tell him. She didn't tell him. And when he found out, he's like, I think his reply was, that is news to me. <laughs> so yeah, definitely go check him out. Just double checking. Is there anything else we want to plug? Yes, I'd like to plug my new show, Hearse Story, but it's about the history of hearses and their relationship to funeral rites. Fuck, I would actually watch that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Well, check out Hearse Story uh, whenever it drops. I will be streaming it on Twitch. <laughs> and that, here we go back to the show. So now it's time for my part of the show. Me, Max. So Can I'm, I do a real quick hypothetical, though? Oh, absolutely. So what would you, if you were a commoner trying to piss off the ruler, what would you put in a vulgar river to make them even like it even less? To make them hate the river more? Uh, I would teach a fish how to insult them, and then I would train that fish to just constantly swim by wherever they are in the river and just yell obscenities at them. That's a good one. Now, some might say it's impossible, but I say they haven't tried hard enough. <laughs> hmm. I want to say I would send uh, some sort of... Oh, no, I know what I would send. It's a very tiny wooden horse. 
Mm-hmm. Like a, well, actually, it's a horse that's With about the size of a real horse. tinier soldiers in it. Okay, no, 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 a, no, no, re- a real horse. You, you even got where I was going. tinier cartilage mm-hmm. sheath. <laughs> okay, so it's a horse-sized wooden horse, and in it is a ru- is a roost person. Okay, who, who's just intended to like flip off the kagan and then leave. Okay, and you would send this <laughs> horse-sized wooden horse down the river. This person's back. Uh, this person hurts just so pops much. out, flips, does a rude gesture. We can't assume they know what the middle finger is. Pops back in and just floats down the river again. Yes. So can I just ask? It is a suicide mission. <laughs> it's a suicide mission, but it's worth it. Wait, why Why not just a boat? A boat with fuck you written on it? I'm just saying, what is particularly, yeah, with fuck you written on it, but what is particularly insulting about this horse? Oh, because you want them to be curious and confused. You're right. They're but like, like hopeful. Hey, is that a horse? People generally have positive reactions to horses. That's true. People love horses. You know who else loves horses? Sky God. <laughs> it's a fact sky god love horse so yeah. much that you should send horse to him wait what if though what if sky god see wooden horse in river sky god take horse with lightning bolt hmm then you've just sent a person from Rus up to the sky god that's probably a net win for hazaria because uh, like the average hazarian person who worshipped tengri mm. would assume that the person's afterlife in the sort of sphere of Tengri would not last very long. Sure, but I guess what I'm asking is, what's your backup plan for when that definitely does happen? Wait, does Afterlife have an ending? I thought it just went on forever. Um, I'm pretty sure that in Hazarian Tengriism, the, the the base belief was that the afterlife was a continuation of life on Earth, which is why people were sometimes interred with weapons, their servants, stuff like that. Mm. So... If the Sky God took someone, it would probably be to a place that is continuation of Earth, and then Tengri's right there, cracking his knuckles, or I guess he was, in various interpretations, an eagle, so... (laughs) Still cracking his knuckles, but they're eagle claws now. Every time it cracks, a little lightning pops out. Yeah. And then, and then the, the camera cuts away, and we fade to black, and we don't, we don't like have the gory details in sure our sure but we haven't done a good job of insulting the king and that's what i am here for what is your backup plan what for when the... sky god take man in horse um overrun the cities of courage <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh the other one and atil uh and then ultimately take apart the hazar state okay brutal but i get it yeah <laughs> well speaking of capital cities in this Flawless segue. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm talking about the Silver Tree of Karakoram, which uh, Karakoram was, of course, the capital city of the Mongol Empire in the 13th century. And I'm just going to tell you about this cool-ass tree. So we know about this tree because a chronicler named William of Rubric uh, traveled through 13th century Asia uh, on a like, kind of a diplomatic mission. And he sort of described all the things he saw. And when he got to Karakoram, he was, uh, you know, made entreaties and made his way to the court of the Khan. And there he saw like all sorts of crazy shit. But I'm going to focus on uh, this one crazy shit. So the Silver Tree of Karakoram was an ornate silver tree, complete with silver fruit and silver leaves, and an angel automaton that blew a trumpet at the top of it, with ornate lion heads at the base, uh, with four ornate lion heads at the base. And can you guess what its function was in the in the court? Oh, when you had to fart, you would just go in and give a toot, and then the <laughs> automaton would do boop, boop. No. <laughs> uh, the, the horn would blow once for every single kill registered by a mongolian soldier <laughs> <laughs> if it was uh through the brainium it would go headshot exactly uh also incorrect but still very good uh you step on the tiger's tongue then the apple falls if you catch it no if you don't catch it it falls the apple breaks open mm. inside is a tiny crown for you to put on the angel oh so it's kind of like a fun game in this yeah. idea yeah. yeah oh i got it uh grow silver trees <laughs> Also, no. So it was also known as the Khan's Drinking Fountain. Monke Khan, his, his, his real name is M-O with an umlaut over it, N-K-E, Khan, the grandson of O.G. Genghis Khan, used it as a drinking fountain. For blood. No, not for blood, Jackie. Oh man. For liquor. Oh, <laughs> all right. 
It was basically an incredibly like elaborate bar. So the four lions at its base vomited forth fountains of mare's milk at all towers, and that was fed by like an intricate system of pipes. I was wondering why not water. Why not water? Because water ain't fancy enough. Is this is this kumwis? What? Kumwis. It's not that. So it so this mare's milk is not the fermented mare's milk. This is just regular mare's milk. We'll get to the fermented mare's milk. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it sounds so smelly. It it was very smelly, and we ain't even hear, heard all of the smell yet. Smell that smell. It's coming. Mm-hmm. So, we, so we've already got, you know, vo- four lions at the base. Picture it. Four silver lions constantly just vomiting forth, so, you know, just white, beautiful mare's milk, mm-hmm. specifically from horses. And from the leaves themselves above you, raining down rice wine from China. That sounds beautiful. Grape wine from Persia. Fermented mare's milk from Mongolia. All mixing together? And honey mead from four different quadrants of the tree. Oh, okay. Pouring down through the air into basins where guests of the Khan could serve themselves. Uh, That's actually really cool. So so I have a question because I was almost worried about where this was going. Mm-hmm. The liquor is not flowing into the milk, correct? Those are separate? Or did the liquor eventually flow into the milk? I think you could mix them at your leisure, but the lions didn't you could make vom- white Russians. Like there were basins and there were lions. The lions didn't vomit into the basins, but they, you know, you could like go whoop. Okay, good because if you poured liquor directly into milk, that it would curdle be a, it would be a bad time. You for got everyone. just got a bunch of alcoholic cheese. Then that was the first edition of of the, uh, of the silver <laughs> tree. Uh, Monge took like one look at it and said, "No, no, no, no. There's a big design flaw here." Send it back. I need you to get it right this time. <laughs> and then you had to find somebody to eat all that stinky alcoholic cheese. Mm. Yeah. It's just a display of wealth being like, this is where I put my alcohol I don't care about. Mm. I just, you see, I just waste it from the four corners of my empire and I waste it away. But each of these liquors was uh, was symbolic of one of like the conquered nations of the Mongol Empire. So it was like this big display of power because they were brought from these four nations to the center of Mongol like power uh, and to be enjoyed there. It's like right? the four corners, but mm-hmm. you can drink but, all of them. But you can get drunk off it. Yeah. 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 You can get fucked up. Actually, drinking was like a huge problem for the Mongols. They had a really uh, heavily drinking culture. Uh, and Monkey Khan actually did eventually uh, like die of liver disease. Although, you know, the people at the time were like, oh, he just got sick and died. But, like, when you read about the symptoms, you're like, yeah, that's liver disease. Mm. And uh, even more than Monkey Khan, uh, his uncle, uh, Omle Khan, uh, was a heavy drinker even for Mongolians. And, uh, had and like, pe- like, they tried to, like, stem his drinking and had no success. And this was, like, in a culture that was, like, just constantly partying. Sidebar there. So this whole display was all designed by the Parisian artisan Guillaume Boucher, who also created for the Khan a bejeweled altarpiece, a mobile chapel, and a hot iron press for making communion wafers. And wait, wait, wait. Did the did the Khan want communion wafers? <laughs> yeah, there was like some there was some mixtures of the Christianity in in Mongol in the Mongolian Empire. There was actually a it was a pretty successful faith out there. Syncreticism. I love it. Yeah, right? I'm just imagining he had extra uh, wafer makers that he needed to unload. And he was just like, <laughs> just put it in the box. They're not going to send it back. Just put it in the box. <laughs> we'll keep it in case the handle on this one breaks. They always break and you can't fix the handle. You know, it's for Christian guests. <laughs> <laughs> for the wafers. They need to press the body of Christ into a little wafer. They've got all that Christ dough. Mm-hmm. What that Christ do? <laughs> so, I bet you might be asking, how did a Parisian artisan end up in uh, the heart of the Mongol Empire? Mm-hmm. I was wondering that. He was captured from Europe by the Mongolians when they attacked Europe in 1242. When they were attacking Europe, they saw his like skill in artisanry, and they're like, you know who I, who would love this guy and the things he could make. The Khan. Let's take him all the way back to Mongolia. Because that was just something that the Mongolian Empire did. They saw people's skills and they admired them. They're like, we could use this. And they just captured people. Tell like, an acquisition. Tell, yeah, exactly. Real headhunters, you know? <laughs> they just brought them back. I'm not sure. I think that might have had a, a positive effect on the nations that Mongolia attacked. 
Because if the people that are getting extracted and sent to Karakoram are showy assholes, every, <laughs> everybody else is thinking, oh, God, that guy was honestly making the worst shit. Now we can actually be practical. And then your enemies get stronger. Mm-hmm. They didn't think the strategy through. No, you're right, Michael. They didn't think through their strategy of taking the best artisans and craftsmen from their conquered empires and taking them home. They didn't think through that. Okay, well, when you put it like that, I sound stupid. <laughs> no, you're right. Like, because then everyone's going around. And finally, they have shoes that don't have bells all over them. Finally, their trees are made of wood and not silver, which is way easier to grow. Finally, all that stinky mare's milk isn't just being just gusseted all over the place, just spewed on the people, on the passerby, on, after countless prototypes. Yeah, the weirdest thing about the silver tree, it wasn't commissioned. It was made and then also shipped back from Europe. Nobody mm-hmm. knows why it was there. No. But, uh, <laughs> it went with him on the on the horse? Yeah. Yeah, on a lot of horses. It's very heavy. It's true. <laughs> but he insisted. That the artisan is just like, no, the bottom part is for milk only. <laughs> I don't care if you have something more symbolic to put in there. Milk. Milk. (laughs) You need strong bones. The pipes are for that consistency only. (laughs) They'll get clogged with liquor. This is the proper gastronomic experience. You're supposed to balance the sweetness of the rice wine against the cool, slight alkaline milk. It's like a palate cleanser. No, 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 don't strap me to the side of the horse, no! (laughs) you, You peasants wouldn't understand. Take me to your con. Exactly. Take me all the way from Paris to your con. Exactly. Now, I know you just wanted the tree. You're taking me too. <laughs> I have a complaint to register, actually. <laughs> I would like to speak to your manager. And the, by the way, the complaint that I have, not that you're attacking my civilization and having success like raiding and sacking some of our cities. I only care about the tree thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I also need to bring my con- communion wafer maker. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Give me like a data pack. <laughs> and some more horses. These are heavy. At least Mongolian society, they had the horses. Mm-hmm. They, that was they, one thing they had. Ass deep in horses. Or deeper. Horses are big. Anyway, so this tree was it was Guillaume's like, crowning achievement in his new life in Mongolia. But it didn't work perfectly. So the, the angel, I've told you about the angel with the trumpet, right? The fart trumpet? Yes, the fart trumpet. It was supposed to be bellows powered, right? And it was supposed to like use the bellows to raise its trump, like move, raise its trumpet, and blow it. But due to some miscalculations by him and his assistants, uh, the bellows couldn't provide enough necessary power. That's why you got a fart in there. Almost. (laughs) What they did instead was they hid a man in the nightmarishly claustrophobic trunk of the tree with a tube. (laughs) (laughs) And when that man got the signal, he blew really hard into that tube. So hard that the angel moved and lifted the trumpet and blew it really loudly to signal servants to come and bring the liquors from their storehouses and pour them on the roots of the tree. And those roots, through capillary action, brought the liquors up to the top of the tree where they rained down again. This is so cool. Now, I know what you're asking. I know what you're thinking. Was he drunk in the tree? <laughs> Did they have a union so that the, when the person inevitably got hearing damage from being in the statue all the time, uh, he could get workers' comp? No and no. Absolutely not. And that man was probably roasting to death in that hot, hot silver tree because this was a summer amusement and it would not work in the winter. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's what I know you're thinking, though, as well. Wouldn't it have been simpler just to have those servants serve people those drinks? Yeah, but no one gets a chocolate fountain. And just eats chocolate. Just, just it's has called someone fondue, hand out. not fondant. Yeah, that, <laughs> I guess better. no one was thinking that then. Like, you want it for the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. I was being, I was being uh, ridiculous. Yeah, you don't want a cup of liquid chocolate. No. You want a fountain of chocolate. chocolate. That you can dip into and mm-hmm. out of over and over again. I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. Yeah, don't be silly talking about a silver tree with Angel that just pours liquor and milk somehow, mm-hmm. and the, it doesn't even work. Well, I will say, the milk fountains worked. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I still think it's still pretty impressive that, like, the, through capillary action, it drew these liquors up through its, its, you know, its whole thing to rain yeah. down again. It sounds beautiful, too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
Could you imagine just like little wine drops catching the sun as it comes down? It just sounds so pretty. Mm, and just that, oh, the scent on the breeze. Where the tiger heads come from in the milk, I don't get. Oh, well, that's, that's from mares. Jackie comes oh, from sorry. horses. Oh. <laughs> but can you imagine if there was like a strong wind as you were doing, as you were standing by the tree? He's getting showered. That sounds so nice. It's uh, does it though? Maybe at first. At first, and then it gets sticky. Mm. Uh, and it, it's got to be the tool of a noble person because only they can afford to do that much laundry. Mm. Mm. You can wash off with the milk afterwards. That's true. Refreshing milk on your clothes, washing away those. You would stems. wash nude. People took milk baths. Oh, I was thinking of like milk cloth baths. And then you smell like bad milk all day. No, that's going to... Well, I mean, never mind. I was going to say that would ruin the milk, but like also someone's naked body would probably make the milk unappetizing. <laughs> but it would ruin your clothes. Yeah. It would ruin your clothes. Don't put your butt in some milk. <laughs> I, I I don't know what the Oreos joke is, but I've, I've just had like the red alarm in my mind flash. <laughs> turn back. Turn back. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, this uh, this wonderful tree did not survive to today. At some point in the past 700 years, it was destroyed. Um, and even the images that we have of it are all from drawings created from reading the written accounts of William of Rubric, rather than from artists seeing it with their own eyes. So they tend to be extravagant. We don't like the 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 drawings of the tree. Well, super super beautiful. Probably aren't a great representation because it's like it's very tall. It's like you know, carved in a way that like probably wouldn't have worked in real life, kind of a thing. But it is, they are very cool. And there is a very cool illustration of this whole thing. Um, so we, none of us alive today will know what it really looked like. I mean, but someone has to have 3D printed one, right? You're right, Jackie. Someone definitely used their 3D printer to print this silver tree. Absolutely. I mean, not out of silver, obviously. Yeah, no, 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 no. Of course not out of silver. Not out of silver at all. No. Who, who could afford it? <laughs> who could afford it, Jackie? Bill, Bill Gates doesn't have the interest in history to do it. There are 3D printers who work with metals, and if you got the proper metal, you could just electroplate the silver on. Like, very... this, is, this is more viable than I think you guys are suggesting. And you know what? You're right. I was wrong to be dismissive. <laughs> you could make a silver tree today. It really dakes you dink. I could. I could make a silver tree today. Also, you could get the measurements right so that you don't have to make a poor man's life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, technology has come a long way. I could just use a small motor in there. Mm. Yeah, like the kind you use in a, in a little fish tank. Just to, well, for the trumpet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Compressed air. Yeah. I could put an air horn up there. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, I had a question. William of Rubric, right? Yeah. What what was what what grade did he give? But um What were his criteria? Yeah. So okay, the first I, I thought of those jokes as I was writing this down. I was like, that's oh, that's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. I wonder if uh, he if he ever owned some kind of box, you know, that was mysterious and puzzling, some kind of rubrics cube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like the kind of thing that, uh, was it Guizam? Mm-hmm. Would, would have made, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. A real noggin scratcher. If yeah. he wasn't making the uh, silver tree, yeah. then you know that's where he would have gone He next. wasn't pr- imprisoning men in the base of a silver tree to blow a horn for all time. Yeah. I'm just imagining Guizam, like, thinking, like, I fucked it up. How do I do this? How do I do this? <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> oh, geez. Somebody's got to owe me a fucking favor. Just get in there. Get in there. Go on. Are what? you sure about this? I, 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 I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a milk server. Well, you're a horn blower now. <laughs> All right. Who's got milk? Du- who's got horn duty this week? <laughs> I got the short straw. <laughs> no, you've got a very long straw. Oh, true. <laughs> that you have to blow through, right? That was yeah, the- forever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm just making sure that I understood. That's, the yeah, that's where it was. That's where it was. Got it. What would you drink from a tree? Sap. Yeah, probably sap. So we're apple just, juice. Apple juice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a tree with its silver apples, yeah. and then it's a apple juice fountain. Would would you would it would come out of the thing, like as a fountain, or would you grab one of the silver apples and, like, push a button, and it would just go, and just, like, dispense it, like, a hollow apple's worth of juice into your mouth? Ooh, or maybe you could pull the apple off the tree and it's a little cup. A little cup, a little juice box. Mm-hmm. And the stem is the straw. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like oh, that. I actually thought of a pretty advanced answer, which is tea. Oh. 
So you have the you have the tea leaves mm-hmm. represented on the tree itself. Mm-hmm. Then there's some sort of device that boils it on the way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the roots, you can like scoop in a nice mug and get a hot cup of tea. That does sound good. Hot rain coming down. <laughs> off the tree. A nice boiling rain. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like dewdrops, kind of. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Hmm. I think it would be neat. It sounds delightful. Yeah. I, I'm obviously, I'm obviously no Guizam. <laughs> I've still got a lot of work to do. Well, yeah, you really got to figure out a way to imprison a man in there first. <laughs> if you can't be a good engineer, be a good warden. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for us tonight uh, here on Anachronismo. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Michael. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to have you. And uh, yeah. you. And good luck in Russia. Yes. I'm probably not going to where Hazaria is now, but maybe I'll find the time to before I leave. That would be like a nice bonus thing to do. Yeah, go for it. Um, and send us a picture. Absolutely. Send us some postcards. <laughs> and find some time to, to Skype in so we can finish our uh, RPG campaign. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for dropping by. Uh, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Michael E. And this has been Anachronismo. Anachronismo. Anachronismo.